In 1521, at the Diet of Worms, Martin Luther was asked to recant his writings. Luther responded, Unless I am convinced from the sacred scriptures that I am in error, I cannot and will not recant. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. Will you stand with us as we proclaim these Reformation truths in the 21st century? You can take your stand by becoming a monthly or annual contributor to Issues Etc. Find out the benefits of becoming an Issues Etc. confessor, apologist, reformer, or patron on the Support Donate page at issuesetc.org. Click the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses. Help us proclaim the solas of the Reformation. Scripture, faith, grace, and Christ alone. Here we stand, Issues Etc. and you. Christians, if you want to protect your children from this, you need to develop right now a pretty healthy understanding of civil disobedience. You cannot be a soft presence here in Sodom and expect your children to be okay. We have seen this huge increase in pet ownership in our country, and I think some of it is this desire for women to continue to mother someone or something, and pets have become really a surrogate to that because of the fact that we've decided that children are not the best way in which we ought to live our lives as women and mothers anymore. Read through the whole New Testament and all the explicit passages about baptism, and if you just, I think, ask that pretty basic question of Who's doing the work in this passage? Is it man or is it God? Universally, it's it's God doing the work. It's something that's happening to you. Our defense is the strength of God's word, the testimony of God's spirit in our hearts through that word, through his sacraments. In all these ways, God is preserving us in the faith and defending us against all of these snares. Lutherans at the Old Latin School in Lutherstadt Wittenberg love issues, etc. The first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer hang together. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. What does it mean to ask for God's will to be done? And then they are followed by, well, a petition about bread. Give us this day our daily bread. What changes from those first three to the following petitions of the Lord's Prayer? Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller will join us. Part two in our series with him on the Lord's Prayer. Then Pastor Jonathan Connor is alongside for part 14 of our series, Kids Have Questions. We'll talk about a little bit more science and then human sexuality. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is pastor of St. Paul and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Churches in Austin, Texas. He posts theology on the YouTube channel Wolf Miller One, and he's author of a new catechetical resource called Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Brian, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. Do a little review of what we talked about in our first conversation. I was listening to someone talk this week, and they made a great point. They said, you know, the disciples came to Jesus, and they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to grow the church or invent church programs or whatever. What they wanted to learn from the Lord is how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And the church always needs to learn that. And so we, we go to the Lord's Prayer, and in that prayer, the Lord teaches us to pray. And as Luther is giving us this encouragement to pray, he does it with four different sort of themes or, or topics. 
He talks about the command to pray, the promise of prayer, the words of prayer, and our need for prayer. So the command to pray is the second commandment. We have this command from Jesus. He says, pray, ask, seek, knock. We are set to always be praying, and that gives us boldness. We then have the promise of prayer, where the Lord promises not only to hear our prayers, but answer them. Cry out to me in the day of trouble. I will hear you, and I will deliver you. This is the, the promise that the Lord gives. And so we, we go before him to ask for what we need with this great boldness. We also have the words to pray. So when we don't know what to say, Jesus says, well, when you pray, say, and he gives us the words of the Lord's Prayer. It's an amazing thing that we don't have to ask, Lord, are you pleased with this prayer? Lord, is this the prayer that you want to hear? We, Luther reminds us what a marvelous, great gift the Lord's Prayer is because we know exactly the words that the Lord wants us to hear. And then the fourth thing, which Luther will give to us in his introduction to the Lord's Prayer from the Large Catechism, but will really in a way become the defining rubric that Luther is going to use to unfold the petitions of the Lord's Prayer for us is this. The Lord's Prayer teaches us what we need. There's something really wonderful there that Luther understands that before the Lord's Prayer is a prayer, in other words, before the words are petitions on our lips to the Lord's ears, they are the words from the Lord from his lips to our ears. Jesus is giving us input into what our desperate condition is so that we don't even know really what our problem is. We don't even know how bad things are. We don't know what we should ask for. And so Jesus, when he gives us the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, he's showing us what we need, what our desperate situation is, so that prayer is always recognizing our weakness, our lack, our failure, our, it's a groaning, and, and Jesus says that even though we live this groaning life, we don't even know, we don't even groan for the things that we need the most. So if we were left to ourselves, we'd probably all just pray the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. In fact, we'd probably say, Lord, give us this day and today's bread and tomorrow and maybe the next few weeks and provide for the needs of the body because we have this groaning flesh that knows that it's hungry and thirsty and cold and afraid and all of these other things. We have a groaning flesh, so we pray for some things. But we don't even know that we need the Lord's name or his kingdom or his will, so that in the Lord's prayer, he's expanding our desires by expanding our recognition of the things that we need. And so the petitions of the Lord's prayer come to us first as the Lord teaching us what we need, what we lack, and then, beautifully, exactly the things that he desires to give to us. So we had talked earlier about the first and second petitions. These first three are interconnected. So what did we have to say about those first two before we go on to the third? Well, in the first and second petitions, the Lord teaches us that we need desperately his name and his kingdom. And really, these first two with the third petition are, we could call them the thy petitions. If we want to look at the structure of the Lord's Prayer, we kind of have two tables like we have in the Ten Commandments. So the first three petitions are the thy petitions, thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. And the last four petitions are the us petitions, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. So the first three petitions have to do with the things of God. And his name and his kingdom are all connected to us as great gifts. So his name will come, his kingdom will come. We pray that his name would be holy with us, his kingdom would come to us. And his name and his kingdom are bound up to the church. Really, the kingdom of God is where the word and spirit are. 
We see this most clearly in the Lord's instruction to Peter and the apostles in Acts, where they say, will you restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the days of the times which the Father has in his own hands, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And I think that's where Luther gets this really profound idea of what is the kingdom. It's where the Spirit and the Word are preached and heard. And so when we pray for God's name to be holy, we're praying that his Word would be purely preached and heard by the Spirit among us. And then when we pray for his kingdom to come, we pray that we would lead godly lives according to his word by the power of his spirit. So the church, the place where God deals with us kindly and with grace, that is his kingdom, and that's what we're asking for in the first two petitions. The third petition, thy will be done. What do we need to know about the will of God? Well, here we're talking specifically about God's good and gracious will. And when Luther's saying, what is the will of God? It's really quite wonderful how Luther will he'll kind of live in a text. So I was thinking of this just as an example. When we read in Matthew 16, where Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And, and Luther says, believe what? And the answer is, well, the promise that God gives in baptism. He just goes right back to the thing right before. He lives in that the text is informing itself. And Luther does the same thing here. What's God's will? Well, God's will is for his name to be hallowed and for his kingdom to come. That's what we've asked for. And so we know that that's exactly what his will is. But we get to this petition and we have to ask, why do we need to ask for that? Why do we need to pray that God's will would be done? It seems like if we were just to think about it in abstract terms, that whatever happens is God's will because he's all-powerful and he just does what he wants. But when Jesus teaches us to pray, thy will be done, he's letting us in on this thing which we, we really need to know for our Christian living, for everything. And that is that there are opposing wills. God's will is not the only will that exists. There is the will, most profoundly, of the devil, which opposes the will of God the will of the world, the will of our own sinful flesh. And so there's a lot of willing and deciding and wanting that is contrary to God's will, so that his will, his opposed will, is embattled. And so this teaches us that when we pray, and we're praying for God's will to be done, that we're praying against the world, against our own sinful flesh, and most especially, we're praying against the devil. So prayer is not just to God and for his gifts, but it is also against, and always our prayer is an against prayer. Our praying is spiritual warfare. We are asking their God to battle on our behalf. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I'll give you a line from Luther. He says, no one believes how the devil opposes and resists them and cannot suffer that anyone teach or believe or right. And that hurts him beyond measure to suffer that his lies and abominations that have been honored under the most specious pretext of the divine name to be exposed and to be disgraced himself and to besides to be driven out of the heart and such and suffer such a breach to be made into his kingdom. So when God's kingdom is coming, it's coming against the devil's kingdom. When God's name is being hallowed, it's being hallowed against our own name and the devil's name and the devil hates it and he fights back so that this battle is happening and we're now calling in the Lord to fight for us. It's, it's really important that when we think of spiritual warfare, that we recognize that the one who is fighting, the one who is doing battle is the Lord Jesus. And, and when he's doing that battle, when he's breaking the spears, cutting the spears in half and setting the chariots on fire, he says, now you be still. 
and watch, and I will be exalted in the earth. So the Lord is the one who fights for us, who battles for us, who goes to war against the devil and the demons for us. But this petition brings that awareness of spiritual warfare to us. I think that, you know, one of these things that you see these pictures, and it's always like a, a picture of, of prayer, and it's a poster, and it has like the mountains in the background, and the calm water on the lake and the pine trees around and like a trout jumping out of the water with a butterfly on its nose kind of thing. And this is how prayer is this sort of serene meditative exercise. This is not the picture of prayer in the Bible. In fact, when Paul is teaching us about spiritual warfare in Ephesians, he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray at all times. So that even our reading the Bible and our studying the Bible is for the purpose of prayer, which is battling against the devil. It's one of the marks. I don't know if this is a fair thing. Todd, I'd love your thoughts on this too. But it's one of my, when I read a sermon or when I read someone's theological work, I'll look for the devil. Does the devil even show up? Is the devil a part of the reality that this person is dealing with? Because I think one of the marks of modern theology is that it's an unopposed theology. It's the, the devil is sort of forgotten about. It's like there's no opposition to the Lord and his kingdom and his word. And Luther reminds us in this petition, as he does in all of his preaching, the devil's always there, the devil's always lurking, that God's will is always being resisted. And so we are never out of this fight, even though we might not see it and might not feel it. We have to remember when we pray that I will be done, that we are deep in this fight. This petition also encompasses a right understanding of Christian suffering because if God's will is being opposed and the devil is fighting us who pray for God's will to be done, suffering will certainly result. Yeah, here's maybe a, two more little sentences from Luther talking about the devil. Such is all his will, mind, and thought for which he strives day and night and never rests a moment, employing all arts, wiles, ways, and means, whichever way he can invent. If we would be Christians, therefore, we must surely expect and reckon upon having the devil with all his angels and all the world as our enemies who will bring every possible misfortune and grief upon us. Now, that's, it's an interesting thing that Luther, he says, it's important just not only to know this, this is the reality of the Christian life, that the devil is, and all the demons are attacking every Christian, each Christian, but that we expect this. And I think there's something there, even in that expectation. One of the most difficult things in life to adjust to is when our expectations are, are not met. This is a spiritual reality. It's also just a very, very practical reality. Like the other day, I went to have a drink of, I, I always drink my kids' drinks, and I'm just a thief at dinner time. It's pretty bad. So I thought I was going to drink a sip of water, and it was a sip of flat Sprite. And that expectation, it wasn't that it was bad, but it was it so astonished my expectations that it was, it was a shocking moment. And this is one of the things that, that we want to be careful. What, as a Christian, do we expect? Do we expect, like Joel Osteen and all the health and wealth guys would teach us, that as once we become Christians, everything goes well and swimmingly and life is great? Or do we expect, as Jesus and Peter and Paul and all the prophets teach, that this Christian life is one of suffering, that we take up the cross and follow Jesus. 
But Peter says it like this, don't be surprised, brothers, when you suffer all kinds of various afflictions. There's not only a danger in the suffering, but there's a danger in this life of suffering not meeting our expectations. And so when, when the Lord teaches us to pray, thy will be done, he's training us to expect that God's will will be opposed and fought against. And that's an important thing for us to realize. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest. It's our series on the Lord's Prayer. We're talking about the petition, Thy will be done. Why do we often pray that petition with a little bit of fear? We'll answer that question next. Martin Luther on Mental Health, Practical Advice for Christians Today, is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October. It's written by Lutheran layman Dr. Stephen Saunders, professor of psychology at Marquette University. Martin Luther on Mental Health is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040, or learn more at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for October, Martin Luther on Mental Health. You're personally invited to join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in celebrating the theme, Just As I Am, January 14th through the 20th during Life Week 2024. Each theme day will explore a distinct aspect of life ministry through local activities, online educational events, interviews, and more. Find out more at lutheransforlife.org. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. Lutheransforlife.org. Memoria Press is a worldwide leader in the publishing of classical Christian education. We have everything you need for students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and our materials can be used in any classroom setting to suit your needs. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 to save $5 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. At Concordia Evangelical Lutheran Church in Wilmington, Delaware, our mission is to serve our community by sharing Christian hope. Jesus and all that he has done for us is the source of this hope. We take heart from Jesus' words, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If you're ever in the greater Philadelphia area, visit us in Wilmington, Delaware. Or visit us online anytime at concordiade.com. Old Theology, New Technology, you're listening to Issues Etc. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House, a charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858. Concordia University Chicago invites all high school students to attend the annual Careers for Christ weekend in person on our beautiful campus in River Forest. Careers for Christ is November 3rd through the 5th. You'll have the opportunity to learn about professional church vocations while having fun with CUC staff, faculty, and students. For more information, visit cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number four C. That is cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number four C. 
folks, the Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany seasons are quickly approaching. Ad Crusum offers liturgically appropriate church banners with high-quality fabrics and rapid turnaround time. Learn more at adcrusum.com, A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M.com. It's our series on the Lord's Prayer. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest. Brian, why do we often pray this petition, Thy will be done, with a little bit of trepidation? Yeah, because one of the wills that we're praying against is our own will. And Jesus is our example in this. We remember that Jesus prayed this petition in the garden. How wonderful. There he is. This is probably until until the darkness of the cross. This is probably as deep as Jesus was in suffering for us. He was bearing our sins and carrying our sorrows. And he's in the garden and he's praying three times and he's he's in such agony that he's sweating drops of blood. And he prays, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thy will be done. And so Jesus is saying to the Father, look, I can't, I don't want this. I don't want to drink this cup of your wrath. I don't want to be afflicted and forgotten and forsaken by you, smitten. I don't want that. But more than what I don't want in myself is that my governing want is your will. Over all the other wants that I have, there's one that stands above, and that is that I want your will to be done. I trust that your plans are best. I trust that your mind, which is higher than my mind, and your ways, which are higher than our ways, are in fact better. And so my own will is crucified, and so that the Lord's will would prevail. So that if what I want is not what the Lord wants, I'm giving up wanting what I want because I want what he wants even more. Now, that's a it's a scary thing because... To let go of our own thoughts about what's right and what's best and what's good for us is, I mean, it's hard. Because we think we have our best interests in mind. And so we have to trust that our Heavenly Father, who knows all things, knows what we need. This is how Jesus really introduces the prayer that he's teaching us to pray. That God knows what we need more than we know what we need. So we pray that his will would be done. And this is especially helpful when we don't know what his will is. In other words, we might think that this person living instead of dying would be good. And so we pray for healing. We pray for health. We pray for successful surgeries. We pray for miracles to happen. But the Lord knows better. And so when we get to these things that we're asking for and we're not sure if what we want is what the Lord wants, then we can say rightly and with a good, clean conscience, thy will be done. Lord, if it's your will, grant success for this plan. Lord, if it's your will, grant health to this person. Lord, if it's your will, give success to this surgery. But because we don't have his promise on these things, then we're trusting that the Lord's will and his plans are better than ours. The fact that we don't know God's will is a little complicated because God's will is not a simple thing that we can simply discern by watching events. It's not as simple as saying, well, if it happened, it must have been God's will. Because a lot of things happen that are contrary to God's will. Right, right. Every single sin is contrary to God's will. And it's good for us to think about that because God's will is the Ten Commandments. And God's will is for his name to be hallowed and for his kingdom to come. And so it's true that a lot of things that happen are happening contrary to God's will. Now the Lord, in his grace and power, will use all those things contrary to his will to cause his ultimate will to come about which is stunning that he draws straight with crooked lines. But 
in all these things, we're recognizing that there's all these contrary wills, and we want our will at least, those that we're praying with, we want our wills to line up with God's good and gracious will, his kingdom to come, his will to be done. So that's exactly right. And in some ways, by focusing on the good and gracious will of God, Luther avoids all of these complications that will come into our prayers. You know, the Reformed love to do this, and I don't think this is necessarily wrong, but they'll talk about God's perfect will and God's permissive will, and they'll make all these distinctions between God's will. Again, I don't, I'm not sure that it's wrong, but it might not be helpful. Because God, in the Ten Commandments and in the Creed, he tells us what his will is, that all would believe in Christ and trust in him and, and live forever. That is his will, and that's the will that he wants us to, to consider. It's also worth noting that we don't pray, hallowed be thy name if it be your will, or thy kingdom come if it be your will, or even forgive us our trespasses if it be your will, or give us this day our daily bread if it be your will. We don't have to question or kind of highlight those petitions with the submission to God's will, because in those petitions, he is telling us what his will is. So, Lord, it is your will that your name would be hallowed. Let it be hallowed with us. And so the thy will be done is, in fact, behind all of these petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Talk a little bit about how there is an aspect of God's will, and I agree completely, God's will is the Ten Commandments. But there is an aspect of God's will that is hidden from us. It's not only hidden from us, we are forbidden to inquire as to God's hidden will. Right. So that it is hidden is, it's helpful for us to meditate on that in two ways. Because obviously, even the fact that we're praying thy will be done indicates that God's will is not fully revealed to us. Otherwise, we could just pray for that thing which is revealed. So the, there's some wisdom, if, for example, in Deuteronomy, it says the, the things that are revealed belong to us and our children, but the things that are hidden belong to God. And the Lord's plans, his working everything together for those who love him and are called according to his word, that working together is hidden for us. How it works, we, we believe it. We, we don't see it, we, but we trust in it. And that it is hidden means that it is forbidden. There's a way that when God hides something from us, he's not playing a game of hide-and-go-seek. This is not kind of, hey, this will be fun. I'm not going to tell you the thing that you need to know, but you can figure it out if you work hard enough for it. That is very, very dangerous. So when the Lord hides something, it is like Carrie, my wife, who hides my Christmas presents from me. This is not to her a game. I think it is, but it is not to her a game. And if I find them, then she returns them. <laughs> In other words, you don't get it. If you find out, then you're wrong. And that's really how the Lord is. If he hides something from us, he does not want us looking for it. And so to go and look for it is to engage in sinful activity. It's, there's a form of Christian magic that has become acceptable almost. And it, and it works like this. I think God has a will for my life. Like, I, I don't know, he, he wants me to go to this college and marry this person and get this job and live in this place and buy this car and have this hobby and whatever. And so God has this lined out, perfect will for my life, but he hasn't told me what it is. He hasn't told me what I should study in school. He hasn't told me what I should cook for dinner. And so I'm trying to figure it out, and to figure it out, I'm looking at all these secret signs, like the Lord is playing some, like this life is some sort of escape room, and the Lord has left clues, but we have to try to figure it out. That's magic. That is trying to determine the future, what God has said about the future, for my own individual life, 
which God has not told me. This is the point. If God does not tell us, then we don't need to know. We shouldn't know. And so we, we go with what God has given. What are the Ten Commandments? What are my neighbor's needs? What does love look like in this particular circumstance? And even if it's not sinful, what do I like to do? That's all okay. It's, it's okay for the Christian to rejoice in the freedom that the Lord has given us in this life and to not live in this fear of trying to sort out the Lord's individual will for me. But that kind of Christian fortune-telling, individualistic, it's like the Christian version of the... What is it when you read the newspaper and it tells you what what's going to happen to you today? That thing. This kind of Christian version of astrology is forbidden by us. And that's the danger that comes in when we when we start to tap into that hidden will of God. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller is our guest. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer, and we will turn to the fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread next. Issues Etc. relies on a small group of faithful supporters called the Issues Etc. Reformation Club. These listeners have pledged to become monthly or annual contributors to Issues Etc., and this allows us to budget our expenses more efficiently. Now, there are four levels of giving. The Confessor, $25 monthly, or an annual gift of $250. The Apologist, $50 monthly, or an annual gift of $500. The Reformer, $100 monthly or an annual gift of $1,000. And The Patron, $200 monthly or an annual gift of $2,000. Reformation Club benefits include shirts, books, broadcast transcripts, and advertising for confessional Lutheran churches. Learn more about joining the Issues Etc. Reformation Club on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. And look for the picture of Martin Luther posting the 95 Theses or call Lynn 618-223-8385. The Issues Etc. Reformation Club. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. The Biblical Worldview Conference is Saturday, November 4th in Chicago. This year's theme is For Such a Time as This, Discernment, Boldness, and Compassion. Brian Wolfmiller, John Bombaro, and others will be speaking on gender-solid parenting, wokeism in schools, transgender pronouns, and sharing Christ in a woke culture. For more information, visit worldviewchicago.org. The Biblical Worldview Conference, November 4th in Chicago, worldviewchicago.org. Theology for Blue Collar, White Collar, and Clerical Collar. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Ascension of Christ Lutheran, Beverly Hills, Michigan. Concordia Lutheran, Wilmington, Delaware. Grace Lutheran, Clarksville, Tennessee. Emmanuel Lutheran, Fairview, Texas. Messiah Lutheran, Keller, Texas. Our Savior Lutheran, Westminster, Massachusetts. Redeemer Lutheran, Mandeville, Louisiana. 
St. John Lutheran, Paulina, Iowa, St. Paul Lutheran, Munster, Indiana, and Trinity Lutheran, Rock Springs, Wyoming. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin on this Friday, October the 27th. It's our series on the Lord's Prayer with Pastor Brian Wolf Miller, author of the new catechetical resource called Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Brian, we come to the next petitions. You call them the us petitions. Are they simply an expansion of the first three petitions? Well, they're related to the first three because if God is our Heavenly Father, then he's going to provide for us. And it's an interesting thing to note also that all of these petitions are plural. So it's our Father, and give us. So we're praying always together with the Lord's children, with the Lord's family. So it's a lot of brothers and sisters, one Heavenly Father, and looking to Him for the stuff that, that He wants to give. If His name is hallowed and His kingdom comes, then, as Jesus said, all these things will be added to you. They're related, but they're related in this way. They're related because God loves us. So Jesus, when He's teaching us to pray, is reminding us that the Gentiles seek after food and clothing. You you don't worry about that. You worry about God's kingdom, his name, his righteousness, and then he'll take care of you. Now he takes care of you through vocation and through work and through the, the weather and all these other things, which the fourth petition is going to unfold for us. But these are not our chief concern. Our chief concern is God's kingdom, and then he blesses us because he, he doesn't let his children suffer want. So there is a connection. There is a difference, though, too, in the fourth petition. I think unique amongst all the other petitions are expanding our desires. In other words, we would never dare to ask God for his kingdom. Could you imagine going up to a king and saying, can I have your kingdom? (laughs) Or going up to a king and saying, can I have your name? That's the audacity of the petitions that the Lord has given us. He's he's adopting us into his family and giving us all these things. So so the first petitions are expanding, expansive, bold, wonderful, marvelous petitions. The fourth petition is the only one that I see that has a limiting thing on it. Give us this day our daily bread. And in this limiting thing, in the daily bread, we see the Lord doing what he did to the children of Israel in the wilderness when he said, look, gather the manna, but just for today, not for tomorrow. We have this desire to hoard and to keep and to think that we're safe if we have stuff. So our natural inclination when it comes to asking for bread stuff, for the stuff of this life, is to ask for more than we need. And the Lord in this petition is limiting that desire. He's saying, look, you should have this expansive spiritual desire for all these great gifts But when it comes to this life, let's just kind of keep it under control. You're asking here for daily bread. That's what the Lord wants to provide, so that we're trusting in him to continue to provide for us. So let's talk about Luther's insights, which are considerable, when he begins to teach on this petition. So I mentioned that this is the only humble petition. All the other ones are sort of bold and expansive. 
But there's an expansiveness that Luther will open up for us in the large catechism. When he looks at a piece of bread and he says, now how did this get here? What had to happen for there to be bread on the table tonight for dinner? And he goes into all of the things that had to work right. He says, we consider the poor bread basket, all the necessity of our body and the temporal life. It's a very brief and simple word, but it has a very wide scope. For when you mention and pray for daily bread, you pray for everything that's necessary in order to have and enjoy daily bread. And, on the other hand, you pray against everything which interferes for it. Note again Luther's insight that not only are we praying for something, but against something. So anything that would steal away daily bread. So you just start to think of it. Well, what goes into that bread? Well, you got flour, which means you need to have a farmer who's making wheat, and you need to have good weather so that that wheat can grow, and then you need to have a, a mill for that wheat to be ground, and that will, that mill needs electricity for it to have a good grinder, and that electricity is connected to a power plant, and that power plant has wires which are made out of metal which come from mines which need equipment and and miners and those miners need I don't know hard hats made out of plastic that comes from some sort of something I don't know and the person who figures that out is a chemist who had to go to university to learn how to do chemistry and they studied in a book which came from paper so there's a forest and trees and people who are writing it I mean it just it expands and that's you know, you you can expand out in every different direction. I mean, that's just the flower. Not it doesn't even mention the sugar. Who knows how complex that is? And and the police who keep the delivery man safe as he drops off the bread at the grocery store and all of these things. Everything in this whole civilization is there in one way or another, so that we can have daily bread. And we look out and we see the roads. We see the government. We see our neighbors, we see the police, we see borders, we see state and family. All of this is, again, in one way or another, a daily bread thing. So when we pray for daily bread, we're praying for all of these conditions to be in place for a peaceful society and for a peaceful home so that we can have some daily bread. You say we are, in this case, also praying against the devil who, as Luther says, if he had his way, we wouldn't have a morsel of food in the house or two sticks to rub together. Yeah, that's right. He, here, here's some more, Luther. This petition is especially directed also against our chief enemy, the devil. To think about that, Todd, I don't know if it just doesn't come to my mind, give us this day our daily bread, that that is spiritual warfare. But it is. I mean, when when the guy goes to work and he's coding some computer program or when the soldier goes to work or when the judge goes to work or or when the the guy who fixes the tires on the cars when he goes to work he's to to know on the one hand that that work is in answer to the christian's prayer give us this day our daily bread and that that work is fighting against the devil who wants to overthrow everything good so that nobody has a bite to eat it, luther continues the devil's all his thought and desire is to deprive us of all that we have from God or to hinder it and he is not satisfied to obstruct and destroy spiritual government in leading souls astray by his lies and bringing them under his power but he also prevents and hinders the stability of all government and honorable peaceable relations on earth so that the devil is not only attacking the Lord's name and his kingdom and his will the devil's also attacking our daily bread and our forgiveness and our deliverance so that all of these petitions are against this arch enemy, the devil. And 
Uh, there's a great line somewhere around here in the large catechism where Luther says, look, the reason why the wheat comes up in the field is because the church prays, give us this day our daily bread. The reason why the sun comes up in the morning is because the church is praying, give us this day our daily bread. And the reason why the devil doesn't destroy all of these things is because the Lord's people are praying, give us this day our daily bread. This is Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're discussing the Lord's Prayer with Pastor Brian Wolf Miller, pastor of St. Paul and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Churches in Austin, Texas. He posts theology on the YouTube channel Wolf Miller One, and he's author of a new catechetical resource called Lord Teach Us to Pray. Pastor Wolf Miller is also a graduate of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, where they form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. For more information on studying for the vocations of pastor or deaconess, visit ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. On the other side, we'll talk about praying for government in this petition. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we wrap up our adventure in Acts with shipwreck, events on Malta, Paul arrives in Rome, and Paul preaches the gospel in Rome, and then we dive back into Genesis with genealogy of Seth. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or on your favorite podcast provider. Have you ever wondered about some of the more difficult topics or teachings of Scripture, such as what does the Bible say about polygamy or slavery or the free will, or what about law and gospel? The October issue of The Lutheran Witness is a twin to the August 2022 issue, and it takes up some of these difficult teachings of Scripture and explains them in detail. To get your copy, visit cph.org witness or the Lutheran Witness website witness.lsms.org. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective. Greetings in Christ. I'm Dr. Reed Lessing, Director of the Center for Biblical Studies at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. The Center offers annual preaching workshops for Advent and Lent, seminars on a book of the Bible, and studies focused on biblical stewardship. We also showcase the best biblical scholarship in the LCMS by hosting three-day seminars each summer, featuring a guest scholar. Learn more at csp.edu slash Center for Biblical Studies. Do you long for a church where the gospel of the sinner's free justification is front and center, and yet where a robust sacramental life is confessed and lived? Do you long for a church that rejoices in the sacred scriptures as the sole basis for the church's teaching and proclamation, yet values and listens to the witness of the ancient fathers and councils? Welcome to the Lutheran Church. We are what you've been looking for. Find a Christ-centered, cross-focused church near you on the Find the Church page at issuesetc.org. More topics, more guests, more Jesus. You're listening to Issues Etc. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. 
And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, he created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His Word. To find a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools. talking about the Lord's Prayer with Pastor Brian Wolf Miller. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Brian, you mentioned before the break, government. So how are we to understand this petition as a fulfillment of the apostolic admonition to pray for those who are in authority over us? Yeah, it's funny that Luther is kind of mocking the government because they see, you know, they have all these coats of arms with swords and lions and everything else like this. He says, if you want a real coat of arms for what it means to be a good government, you would have a loaf of bread on your shield. <laughs> he says, every pious prince should have a loaf of bread instead of a lion on his coat of arms, or rather a wreath of you to stamp it on the coin to remind both them and their subjects that by their office we have protection and peace, and that without them we could not eat or retain our daily bread. This insight comes up a lot when we think of poverty and especially of the problem of hunger throughout the world, is that the problem of hunger is mostly not, at least in our day, a matter of famine, a matter of bad weather or a matter of bad luck. It's mostly a matter of war and bad government. So that when you see a evil or wicked government in place, then you see hungry people because the government is, is taking all of these things for themselves and not protecting the people or providing for the people the things that they need to eat and to get by. So the government plays a crucial role in this petition, give us this day our daily bread. And it's good for us to remember that that's what we're praying for. Paul tells to Timothy to pray for the rulers, to lift up holy hands and pray for those in authority. And every time we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are, we're praying for those in authority. And we're either praying for them insofar as they are helping us to have daily bread and to eat it in peace, or we're praying against them. If they're wicked and evil rulers, and they're getting in the way of daily bread and peace and the gifts that God wants to give to his people in the home. So that, so that those who are given the authority to rule and to govern need to take care that the prayers of the Lord's people are for them and not against them. We probably need to also understand some context because at the time when Jesus taught his disciples to pray this petition, bread was a daily thing. You didn't keep things around, they lived hand-to-mouth in a sense that we don't understand because we have refrigeration, we have storage, we have the pipeline. I can walk out, get in my car, go to the grocery store, and if I have sufficient amount of money, I can buy food for the next year and keep it at my house. Yeah, that's right. We, we saw something of this when we had the supply lines disrupted during COVID, and we realize how tenuous all of these things are. It's quite an amazing thing that modernity has pulled together this shape of daily bread distribution. But it's good for us to remember that it's tenuous as well, and that our life is a lot closer to the ground 
than we sometimes think it is, and that this petition, it sounds forth with more fervor the more we realize how everything that we receive, we receive from the hand of God. So sometimes daily bread is, is taken from us for one reason or another. Sometimes, I mean, the most common that I see is when people, for example, have some sort of medical procedure. Now you can't eat, and all of a sudden, now it's, it's funny, they, they have food there, that's not the problem. But the problem is they can't, they're forbidden because the surgeons don't want, don't want to make sure that the digestive system doesn't get in the way. So, so they're forbidden for that, and the food is taken away, and we're like, ah, it's just that far. The other time it happens now is when people are overcome with sorrow. Their appetite is gone, and they can't eat. So the food is there, but, but they can't eat it. But you're right to remember that in most places of the world, even now, eating is a precarious thing. And yet, the Lord does seem to provide, and there was a way that when the attaining of food was more precarious that we relied on each other more that if the neighbor had something and we needed it then there was a way that i better know my neighbor and they better know me and i better have a good conversation with them so there's something that is lost in the richness of our own culture that something very human is lost in that and this petition grounds us in the history of humanity we also have economic expectations that, in some sense, are until the Industrial Revolution, no one would have understood. We expect our kids to do better than we do economically. We expect to be able to work a certain number of years and then stop and live off what we have accumulated. And we expect all of that to happen. And if it doesn't, we think the world's falling apart. Jesus says, what does it benefit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And that's the same direction as this petition. Again, the humility of this petition, it's fine to have daily bread, and we trust in the Lord to provide for all that we need, but it's a daily bread petition. We think of success in terms of the fourth petition. The Lord thinks of success in terms of the fifth petition. The successful life is the life that has the forgiveness of sins, or maybe every other petition. The successful life is the one where the Lord's name is hallowed and his kingdom comes. His will is done. Sins are forgiven. Temptation is resisted. And, and at last, we're taken from evil. We've reduced life to bread. We're kind of a solapanus kind of people, by bread alone. But Jesus reminds us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so this materialistic culture, we've gotten very good at collecting bread, gathering up bread. We have abstractions for bread. We have bank accounts for bread. It's all the things of this life, and we can become very rich in the things of this life, very poor in the things of God. And that's a good thing to remember, that we can lean into this, give us today our daily bread. And if we are rich or if we are poor, no matter, we are the Lord's, and that's the thing that we rejoice in. And that lets us that those that the Lord have provided for, we, that have some, some wealth and resources, it gives us a way to be generous and unafraid, to care for people who need help, and to support those who are on the edge and looking where the daily bread is going to come from. That gives us a way to, to not be simply gathering up and building bigger barns, not knowing that our soul could be required of us at any particular point. So I think there's something really wise in the humility of that little word daily that the Lord teaches us to pray here. It's also 
noteworthy that this petition is two things. It begins with the word give. We're not trying to strike a bargain or set up a payment schedule with God for our daily bread, but it's also an imperative. Yeah. All the petitions are this way. that We are so bold to boss God around, That's to ask him, Lord, your name, let it be holy. Your kingdom, come. Your will, do. Bread, give. We are asking God for things. We are, in a way, commanding God. It's the bold that we would never approach that boldness unless the Lord had told us to, given us the command to do it, and given us the words to do it, so that we can we can have a good conscience in approaching the Lord and standing before him with this kind of boldness. But you're right also that we are not trying to cut a deal with God, and here we get back to this major theme that Luther's developing for us in the large catechism, Lord's Prayer, is that when we say, Lord, give us a stay our daily bread, what we're recognizing is that apart from his care, apart from his giving, apart from his doing, apart from his compassion and kindness towards us, we would starve. We'd be done. And that's it. So that that give us this day is a recognition. Grace alone is not only our salvation, it's also our life. We have eternal life and forgiveness by grace alone, but we have this earthly life also by grace alone. All this he does only out of fatherly goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in ourselves. That doesn't just describe eternal life, it also describes this life. And we know it, especially when we're surrounded by by death and destruction, and we know how short this life is, and we know that each breath could be our last. And that reminds us that our lives are all, even the bodily part, which we think we have so much to do with, even this is a gift from God, his goodness, and his grace. Next time, we're going to move on to the fifth petition you mentioned just a moment ago, and it's really a special one. Give us a little preview with about a minute of yeah. what we'd be talking about then. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Here the Lord is teaching us if the fourth petition is dealing with the groan of the belly, oh, I'm hungry. The fifth petition is dealing with the groan of the conscience, oh, I'm guilty. And so the Lord is teaching us what we need from him is not fig leaves to cover the shame not our own invention, not our own works. We need his forgiveness, and we look to him for that. And he connects his forgiving us with our forgiving one another, which can often be confused as if we forgive and then the Lord forgives. So Jesus will straighten that out for us too. So that's coming up next. You've produced a new catechetical resource called Lord Teach Us to Pray. Tell us about it. It's these words from Luther explaining the large catechism, and I did a little video on each page and on the bottom of each page, put a little QR code so you can you can watch me teach through the page if it'd be helpful. And I, I think this is a fun thing. It's It puts the words first, the words of Jesus first and Luther describing it, and then um, meditates on those words with me if you find that helpful as well. So that's what this is. Lord teaches to pray with video footnotes. You'll find a link to Lord Teach Us to Pray at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller is pastor at St. Paul and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Churches in Austin, Texas. He posts theology on the YouTube channel Wolf Miller One, and he's author of the new catechetical resource, Lord Teach Us to Pray. Brian, thank you. Thank you, Todd. Folks, the Lord's Prayer and the other chief parts of Luther's small catechism are faithfully taught at Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas. Faith Lutheran provides a classical Lutheran education for students pre-K 
through 12th grade. Learn more at flsplano.org, Faith Lutheran School, Plano, Texas, flsplano.org. When we come back, part 14 of our series, Kids Have Questions, with Pastor Jonathan Connor. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, is happy to support the Christ-centered, cross-focused ministry of Issues Etc. Join us for worship, Bible classes, youth ministry, and other opportunities to grow in Christ. We have a Christian day school for children in preschool to 8th grade. We are located at 1300 Beltline Road. Call us at 618-344-3151 or visit www.goodshepherdcollinsville.org. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways.